Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Bears. My name is Joey Christopoulos with my co-host, Corey Wooten. We have an absolutely fantastic guest coming at you in about 30 seconds. But first, got to talk about our sponsor, BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, it's your number one source for all your betting needs. You get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. That's why BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place all of your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. So what are you waiting for? Head to the website, use your mobile device right now, and sign up. You will get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is only when you use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get that reward. BetOnline, where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the pod. Got a great show today. Uh, it's June, so let's talk Bears football, baby. Uh, let's bring in our co-host here. He's my man. He's CHGO's very own, Fox 32's very own, West End Golf Course's very own. It is Corey Wooten. What's up, Corey? Hey, what's going on, my man? Uh, summertime, you know, a lot of golf. Football season coming around the corner, so uh, two, two of my favorite times of the year right now. Yeah, two of our favorite times of the year, the U.S. Ch- championship here in L.A. over the past weekend while people were gagging away the lead in the second half of that tourney. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people are watching it over at West End Golf Course. Let's bring in our guest for today. we got a Hall of Famer with us today right here. He is longtime Chicago Sun-Times sports reporter, um, a man also known for a little show called Sports Writers on TV that I used to watch as a kid. Uh, we have two Northwestern alumni here. So what happens when two Northwestern alumni and a Chica- uh, Columbia College Chicago guy walk into a bar? We do a show. It's Rick Callender. What's up, Rick? How you doing, George? Hi, Corey. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for coming on to the show, uh, Rick. If you don't mind, we're going to talk a little Bears football, but I did want to kind of start a little bit with sports writers on the TV, if you don't mind. Um, a show that was not just seminal for me, but as we look at the landscape of TV today, uh, it turns out that it was a pretty good idea. Um, so are you able to kind of compare and contrast what you were doing at that time and now as you see the formatting of TV today of people sitting around a table talking sports, debating topics? I mean, you guys were at the forefront of that. So uh, does it blow your mind a little bit that uh, you were onto something, maybe just a little bit back in that day? Well, you know, looking back on it, it seems like, like you know, it wasn't genius. It's just like, why don't we do this? There have been years and years, decades, hundreds of years, maybe even where sports writers, whenever sports writing began, where they were considered, you write, we don't see you. We don't hear from you. That's all. We have people to be on TV. We got, you know, the pretty boys and pretty girls and everybody with their makeup and that, and they'll, they'll do whatever they have to do. You guys stay in the background. And then Bill Gleason, Bill Jouse, Ben Bentley, and the producer, John Roach, who was kind of the, he and Gleason were like the genius behind it, um, determined why not have people who were actually at the games, who actually know the athletes, who actually talk to these people who write about it, they can speak, they're not mute. Why don't we have them talk about it instead of having talking heads talk about it? Let's have actual people who are involved in the games uh, do it. And uh, those guys, you know, they're old boys when they started. I started, our first show was, Believe it or not, it was December, late December, 1985, right before the Bears would win that first Super Bowl. That kind of propelled us into the future. But um, Gleason and Joust and those guys seem like, you know, Gleason with a cigar in his mouth. Old fashioned, they were very progressive in that if if he were around now, they would have something new on the Internet. I don't know what it would be, but they had already done this on radio, the sports writers on radio on WGN. 
And that was fabulous too. Again, why not have sports writers talking? Uh, so they did it. And every time I see a TV show now, sports talk show, where there's more than one or two people, you know, like you two guys talking, but if there's a round table, it springs from the sports writers on TV, including the sports reporters on TV, which was Dick Schaap and ESPN in New York, all those guys. I, and I did that for a while after this, uh, the sports writers, but those guys, man, they changed the, um, you know, the landscape of uh, sports talk. They absolutely did. Yeah. And to follow up on that, just really quick, it went beyond sports too, as well. I mean, you can find some of these things on YouTube today, but you guys talked about um, a lot of topical issues that went beyond the realm of sports. And one of my favorite ones, if you can just, if you have a, any anecdotal story behind it, um, my favorite was when you guys had Billy Corgan of the Smashing Pumpkins on there, who for me was this mythic rock God like figure. And you put these musicians up on a pedestal as we did in the early nineties, there's mythical figures. And then he sits down and then he talks to you about the Cubs. You yeah. know what I mean? And he talks about Sean Dunstan. I mean, what was that experience? Like that was kind of a cool move too. Billy is a, a, a Cubs nut and you know, now he's a wrestling nut and he lives not too far from here in Highland park. He's got this right. Madame Zuzu's tea house, you know, and sometimes he'll play there. Um, he did a big benefit after the terrible shootings last July 4th in Highland park. Uh, but Billy came on, and I remember um, we were we were shooting a breeze. He's pretty tall, you know. He, he used to play some basketball. Center, I, I was gonna say, yeah. <laughs> he's about six two and a half, maybe. You know, kind of skinny. Always wears that wrapped, uh, you know, scarf or whatever. <laughs> he's got his look, yeah. but um, he's very knowledgeable about the Cubs. And uh, I brought my guitar down that day. I remember I said, "We got to sing. Um, what do we sing? Go Cubs, go!" I think we did, or "Take Me Out to the Ball Game," something. <laughs> We had Pat Zajac, Zajac on. Um, God, who we had uh, Dennis Farina on. You remember him? The old, the oh, Chicago, great top, Chicago actor. Yeah, top movies. Uh, and one one anecdote I got to tell you this: he 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 did uh, Crime Story. It was a, a series on TV, and it took place in Vegas. And he was a cop, and it was a bad guy. I think his name is Ted Levine, who played the uh, killer oh, in Buffalo and, Bill. Uh, Right. Yeah, Buffalo Bill and Silence of the Lambs. Anyway, very noticeable guy. And uh, Fernita's always chasing him. And he finally gets him and he just beats the hell out of him with a coat rack in a in a store in a, a diner or whatever. And it, as the cops are coming in, he's an undercover cop, or whatever. He looks at him and he says, Book this puke. And I remember <laughs> I said to Dennis, you know, I reminded him of that, and he says, kind of like Shakespeare, wasn't it? <laughs> the great mustache man he was like he was the carbon copy if you could make like uh, a chicagoan in a lab uh dennis Farino would be pretty pretty close to that um uh thank you so much for for just talking about that because that was just such a huge part of of my life growing up and as you see now uh it doesn't matter what sports channel you turn on now now we have that iteration in some sort of form uh prevalent throughout all of our media um, let's hop over to the Chicago Bears uh, here on Believe in Bears with Rick Chicago Sun-Times, Rick Tellender. Uh, Corey, my man, I'm going to give you first dibs here uh, of, of uh, the conversation that we're going to start about the Chicago Bears. We're still a month away from training camp, but, man, there's a lot of excitement going into a 3-14, and 14, which feels a little bit different uh, and a little bit fresh, and we're excited about it. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited about this. I'm excited to see where the offense is going to be because they surrounded Justin Field with, with all the tools, right? They got the revamped offensive line. We got a wide receiver in DJ Moore, so we have a lot of weapons there. So I'm I'm excited to see what this offense could do this year. Yeah, and and look, I think this all centers around 
what else in Chicago than the quarterback, Rick? So, you know, for you personally, I think everyone has a different gauge, a different gradient level of how we're looking at this. But for you, what does the next step for Justin Fields look like for you personally this year? Well, you know, I obviously the quarterback is everything um, in the NFL, the way the rules have changed, the way the pass blocking, the way, you know, um, defensive backs, what you can and can't do to a receiver going down the field. So if you can pass well, if you've got a good passing attack, you know, the old nonsense about what well, we have to establish a run to set up the pass. Well, not, no, you don't. It's nice if you got it. And Justin Fields is a great runner. We got to remember that. I mean, the guy was on pace to set the uh, NFL record for rushing yards by a quarterback, but you can also get, you know, annihilated doing that. It's very dangerous to run. And he's a big guy, but you have guys like Corey coming after you. You don't want that. Oh, by the way, before I go any further, I have to mention the highlight of Corey's career was not in the NFL. It was against Iowa in Iowa City. <laughs> and he annihilated, almost decapitated the quarterback fumbled safety in the end zone, recovered for a Northwestern touchdown. That's it. You should have just quit football right after that. <laughs> and done with it. Retired, retired right there. I'm sure you remember that. Oh, I do. I do. I remember their pink locker rooms too. That was something that always, people don't know that. They have pink locker rooms because it's a whole mental thing. They try to get you in a softer mindset because pink is a softer what? color. I promise you. We That's had right. great Aiden, success Aiden there. Pride. Yeah, Hayden Fry was yep. a psychology major or something, and he'd learned that pink makes you weak. So he did that. That's yep. really devious, and I'm glad you got the quarterback for that, for making you <laughs> suffer through that pink. Anyway, back to the Bears and the uh, – sorry, but – No, it's like, I, we're going to pump in Enya into the locker room, too, as well, while we're at it. A little yep. sail away pink. and just <laughs> – Come on, pink. So I be mean, it. Uh the Bears, um, yeah, the quarterback, Justin Fields, and the, the tools around him. But as we all know, what a quarterback wants more than anything, maybe as much or if not more than great receivers, is an offensive line that he can trust, one that can protect him. And uh, the Bears haven't. I mean, I don't know how that's going to flesh out. We never really know about offensive linemen, how good they are. The only way you can tell is when they make mistakes. And they make a mistake, then you say, well, he's not very good. The quarterback comes off the field with his pants clean, you know, and hasn't been sacked a bunch of times, then it's a good line. If there's holes for the running back, it's a good line. So the Bears have not gone all in on an offensive line. I hope that as it establishes, you know, through training camp and that, that it will come together. Because they got DJ Moore uh, as a wide receiver. I mean, that's a number one receiver right there. They've got these other guys, you know, um, uh, you know, three and 14 was, that's the most games the bears have ever lost in a season because he played 17 games, but still it's terrible, terrible. Their offense at the start of last year was so bad. It was almost like uh, a joke. So I think that Justin feels the hope is that he will see what this offense can be. And he'll just blossom like, Oh my God, I, I don't have to run for my life. I don't have to, you know, rush for over hundred yards a game. I, I have quarter our uh, wide receivers and tight ends will catch these balls and catch the passes and, and go for extra yards all comes together, you know? So that's, that's a hope. I think that's every bears fan hope this year. 
and I, I think this is this is the most weapons the Bears have had in a while. You look at from DJ Moore. Now all of a sudden they were trying to get Chase Claypool to be a number one. He's not really a number one. He's probably a two or a three. Darnell Mooney, it takes the pressure off him. You look at when Allen Robinson was here, he went over a thousand because all the attention was on Allen Robinson. And then Cole Komet, another year in this system, could really be a viable red zone threat. And then Robert Tanyan from Green Bay as well. So the receiving core with the tight ends, it's a pretty good situation. The running back room is a great situation um, there. So I'm really excited to see because uh, Roshan Johnson, I, I feel like he hasn't even scratched the surface of what he can be because he was behind B. John Robinson at Texas, you know, who's arguably been one of the best running back prospects in years to come. So I'm really looking forward to it. The only question mark for me is Braxton Jones. Did he get stronger this offseason? Because when I looked at him, mm. I'm like, here's a guy that has great feet, right? Never got beat around the edge. But what did he struggle against? The bull rush. And I said this, Joey, he reminds me a, a lot of David Bakhtiari from Green Bay. I played against him his rookie year. Really struggled against power. I could give him the long arm and, and all that. And then next year, he really worked on his anchor and his strength. And it was night and day. And then he played at a Pro Bowl level. So if Braxton Jones can do that, he could really be that left tackle of the future. You got Darnell Wright, who, in my opinion, was one of the best pass protectors coming out of this draft. Will Anderson raved about him. He said he's the best best guy I've went against my whole uh, college career. So I think that's telling about Darnell Wright. So if everything could work together, you got two tackles that are here for years to come. You got two guards as well. And they're going to try to figure out that center position. But I think it's a pretty good situation if everybody plays up to par. Yeah, not to push it too far down the road, too, as well. Is who's the backup to Braxton Jones? Right. I know that we talk about improvements on each line, yeah. a lot of versatility, but a left tackle, who would step into that spot if he did have to possibly miss some time? Darnell Rick, right, I guess, because he, he's done it in the he has the feet. You know, I, I think he has yeah. left tackle feet playing on the right side. So he could potentially, but obviously you want to keep him at the right side if you can. Yeah, and, and Rick, uh, I, I think the reason why we try to frame it for that question for you is I, I think Bears fans have really, really high expectations. And I, I, I don't want to make I just want to make sure that especially on this show, that they're not too misplaced. Like, we do a lot of talk on Believe in Bears of, you know, the Chicago Bears, I think they were last in the NFL last year in pass attempts per game, about 18, 19 per game. But at the same time, they had one of the best running attacks in the game. You know, Rick, I, I do think that that is still a, probably a formula for success in Chicago, right? Like, you know, for Justin Fields to throw the ball over 30 times a game, that just doesn't seem maybe like the model that he plays or the style that he plays in. Um, and we, we make comparisons to Cam Newton every once in a while with Justin Fields. But do you still kind of envision a more balanced attack with the Chicago Bears offense heading into next season? Yeah, I think a, a balanced attack is good unless you happen to have one of these freakishly good quarterbacks. Uh, if you do, you know, if, if you happen to have, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, you develop into Remember, Aaron Rodgers sat for three years. Jordan Love sat this, all this time. Justin Fields, maybe it's the equivalent of having sat, having, you know, running for your life. Yeah, the Bears had good rushing attack because they just had no faith in their offense. So a lot of things can happen mentally if your team, if it comes together and you find that balance. And hopefully the offensive coordinator will figure out how much Justin Fields should run a handoff, how much he should pass. You don't want to, uh, there's nothing worse than having a quarterback throw more than he should. It's like, oh, we're throwing the ball because it's the NFL and you, you got to pass. That's not good. You want to do it effectively. And Corey brought up earlier, uh, Tanya and, and Komet. I, I thought that Komet coming out of Notre Dame had the chance to be one of those really good tight ends, you know, really good 
um, you know, like like Kansas City or like, well, Tanyan was pretty good. Maybe that's Aaron Rodgers. It makes everybody good up there, did make everybody good up there. But Komet seemed to have that skill, the kind of basketball skills, the good hands. He's big. Sometimes in your, you know, fourth, fifth year, uh, what is, is he a fourth year guy? Third, fourth, fifth? He's going to be his fourth year. Yeah. Fourth year. Yeah. He can develop. You know, they're still young. And you think about how, you know, you yourself or I or anybody was at age 25, 26, you know, you still can be developing strength and still developing your game. I think there's been studies that shown in basketball, premier players uh, improve all the way up to about age 27, and then they can hit a plateau. And then there's a, a, a point like at age 31 where they definitely start to decline. So I think it's probably somewhat similar in football. A lot of these bears could be hitting that peak moment, uh, including Justin Fields, where we'll get to see something that wasn't there last year. I don't know. The other thing is we get our hopes up, maybe hopefully not too high because don't forget the Vikings and the Packers and the lions. Everybody think is a, for once is a really good team. Uh, the lions are one of those snake bit, you know, NFL teams like the Browns. Actually, the two teams I would love more than anything to play each other in the Super Bowl because one, <laughs> one of them would have to win, which would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know. The Bears can't better not get cocky because I think a lot of prognosticators still have them finishing like fourth in their own division. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing for the Bears this year is right. We have all the weapons there, but really rely on the running game. I think that's going to be the biggest thing. That's going to set up everything. If you can if you can get that run game going, it really keeps the defensive line off balance. Then you can work the play action, you can work screens and draws, and then everything comes. And then all of a sudden you can open up the passing package. That's what I'm hoping that they don't just try to guns ablaze and throw the ball down the field early and often, like really establish that run. And then you'll be able to do what you want to do because you look at how they ran the football last year. Now all of a sudden we got these weapons and everything will open up downfield. Yeah, yeah I think that's a big belief system here on uh Believe in Bears is that. I think we get obsessed with statistics. I know Bears fans do. And I just think Justin Fields doesn't have to throw for 4,000 yards next year for it to be a wild success of a season. And just to roll back to Cole Komet very quick, you know, they've been releasing a lot of statistics about Cole Komet's career. And in the beginning of his career, he was a positive player in zone coverage. He really struggled in man. But last year, he actually was a positive player in man coverage, strictly in play action. So, Corey, what you're talking about, when you're running the football, when you're dialing up looks, that make Cole Komet all of a sudden a threat, then all of a sudden you see the numbers of Cole Komet that you were hoping for when he first got drafted. So it all works in concert with each other, but I just don't think that has to mean Justin Fields, those for 40 TDs and 4,000. I know all Bears fans want that, right? But it could still, you know, those stats can look a little more modest and it still can lead a little bit to winning football. Um, we're talking here with Believe on Believe in Bears of Chicago sometimes, Rick Tellender. Um, for both of you guys, uh, Rick, if you'd like to go first on this one, I want to move it over to general manager Ryan Poles. So obviously last year was a bit of a punt year, you know, a lot of dead money, trade some players, do what you can, play the game, you get the number one pick, you make a trade. Now this season, offseason, obviously, they've made some more moves. They put some money allocated into the defense and to some different players. So with Ryan Poles constructing this roster, living in this win, this building the right way mode, um, what do you think his biggest blind spot is right now with this roster heading into training camp? Oh, man, you know, the hardest part probably is um, the football team really does need 22 good players. You know, it's not like basketball. Mm -hmm. You can have three, 
you know, great <laughs> players and put other guys around them. Whatever your weakness is, uh, the other team's going to exploit it and they'll find out what it is. It might be defense. You know, you worry about, um, you know, when they got rid of Rokon Smith, who, uh, you know, is a Pro Bowl middle linebacker and probably will be for years to come, uh, that set them back. You know, I, I guess they had to do it. So you try to build back to get a defense that's worthy of the offense. I mean, they put a lot of effort into the offense from the offensive line, the wide receivers, running back. And of course, you got Justin Fields, you know, getting rid of that first pick. It'll be very interesting to see how the quarterbacks they could have taken this year mm. didn't because they decided they didn't need them. But, you know, they they also, um, you know, <laughs> God, it goes it goes back to um, a few years ago when Ryan Pace. Uh, oh, my God. I mean, you hate to even think about it, they could the Bears could almost be like the uh, Kansas City Chiefs had they. Uh, well, we can't talk about that. You're talking about, you're talking about, I was going to say, we should have taken Solomon Thomas, right? Solomon Thomas, if we had just taken him. Instead. Yeah, Solomon Thomas, right. Whoever he is, no. <laughs> and I, you know, um, you asked about the blind spot for polls. I, you know, I'm not, really not sure. We This will be his year, and we probably won't find it out till the season. And I, you know, I like what he's doing. We we like it when your team is bad. There's only you can only go up. I mean, the Bears aren't going to lose 15 games next season, so everything's going to look like an improvement. And um, I, I'm not sure when we'll be able to see that. Nobody's going to say anything negative. You know, everybody's going to say, "Well, you know, so and so is a better leader, and I've developed this, and my speed is better, and I'm stronger." And we don't know. That's how the NFL is. NFL is. You don't badmouth you really do have confidence. You really do believe you're better. And I, the one thing I think with, um, you know, the new change in president and with, with polls and all this talk about um, going to uh, Arlington Heights, a new stadium, the Bears are in the news all the time. And I think that has to help. A play. If I remember the Bears right now, that would make me feel good. It'd be like, mm. we're a big deal. It's not like uh, you're some lousy team and nobody's talking about you. You know, I mean, Corey, you were a player. Didn't it make you feel good when people were talking up your team? Oh yeah, yeah, it feels great. But um, with with that becomes great expectations, right? It's kind of it's kind of better a little bit where they don't talk about you, and then all of a sudden you go above <laughs> what you think, right? <laughs> Surprise people. But uh, to answer this question, I think the defensive end position. I think that's going to be the weak spot of, of of the team. You know, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, Demarcus Walker. That's one guy that comes to mind. He had seven sacks last year, but most of them were from the three technique on pass rush situations. So he, he projects to a left end. I think he'll slide in on pass rush situations. But other than him, I'm kind of trying to figure out who's who's going to be the next guy to step up. So I think the defensive end position for me, and I wouldn't be surprised if they added a veteran uh, guy with some experience that could come in and, and uh, fill, fill one of those roles at defensive end. Well, Corey, quick follow-up. I mean, this is clearance aisle time, you know what I mean, for for, for shopping for pass rushers. Uh, Frank Clark off the board, Leonard Floyd off the board. You know, who who's left out there? Who would you like to see? I mean, would a Robert Quinn reunion make any sense? Jadavian Clowney, is there is there anybody out there that, that can actually maybe help them just a little bit? Yeah, I mean, may, maybe a Jadavian Clowney, if the money made sense to have him play right end and, and see where it goes. Um is is Yannick Ngankou, is he still available? Still out there. 
Okay, I, I wouldn't mind him in a pass rush situation only, like strictly just nickel. He's averaged about seven and a half a year throughout his whole career. I know he's not going to give you much in the run game, but, you know, in that, that rush package, I wouldn't mind that. Um, but the one thing is I think the defensive line is going to stop the run. They've, they've added some defensive tackles, uh, Andrew Billings, Javon Dexter. Um, so they, they've, they've kind of solidified, you know, in, in the run stopping. But now we got to see where the pass rush is going to come. Are they going to dial up some blitz packages with with some of the talented linebackers at Edmonds and Edwards? Um, but the thing is, the Tampa two really flourishes when you have a front four that can generate pressure independently. So I just don't know if we're going to get that pressure. So, you know, next year we'll be able to stack up some of those defensive ends. But I think this year there's probably going to be a lot of blitzing involved in some of those pass rush situations. Yeah, I mean, Kyler Gordon, maybe some linebacker blitzes yeah. try and be deceptive. I mean, if they stop the run, Corey, a little bit better than they did last year, you do think that it gives them a little bit better shot. Uh, just maybe getting off the football field and helping the team out. Uh, just a couple more here. You know, Rick, you, you touched on it a little bit. I would just love to hear your thoughts. You know, you wrote a really great article um, very recently about um, – Arlington Heights and let the bidding begin. Let the leverage and the, you know, this is all of a sudden this bleeds over from sports into more of the business side um, of the business and it can get a little confusing. So um, tell us, are you excited for the Waukegan Bears? <laughs> you know, they keep looking at sites that get farther and farther. I'm thinking, why not, uh, you know, somewhere just across the river in Iowa? Let's go for it. Yeah, let's go for it. Yeah, but you give 2,000 acres, they can build, you know, <laughs> 15 flags over America. Um, it, it really is the kind of thing where a lot of this is posturing guaranteed and, and leveraging. And the thing about the NFL, it's, it is a cartel, meaning that it's established a group of businesses. Nobody else can get in. It fixes prices. It limits its product. And it, uh, it, it demands all sorts of services that you can only, you, nobody else can get into their particular business. Chicago, uh, you know, I, in one of those columns, I mentioned that the uh, country, the United States, has grown by 45 million um, people, citizens, since the last expansion team came along. Well, you know, if this were England or Europe and it was a soccer team, there'd be 20 new, 30 new soccer teams, but it's not even one new NFL team. So the Bears have, they got the negotiating power that only you can have if you are a member of something like a cartel, which is like, you know, monopoly sort of, and it's legal. It's weird. It's a very weird uh, arrangement that's been established for the NFL. So if you don't want the bears, um, if you don't give them what they want, well, they'll tell you, they'll take their ball and go home. They might end up back in Chicago. There's lots of talk about the old steel mill down on the way, the far South side on the, on the shore, uh, uh, Lake Michigan, but yeah. there's not good transportation there. Uh, to remodel Soldier Field, I mean, I've been in that place a million times, and it's you just can't keep adding little, little more lipstick on the pig, you know. I mean, it, you know, it, it's too small. They never should have put what they put in there inside of those colonnades. Uh, it didn't fit. They should have, could have moved the colonnades one way or the other, done something. But now to dome it would be really weird. It's the smallest stadium in the NFL. They need a new one. You've seen all the new ones that they built in Las Vegas, Santa Clara, all these really, all the bells and whistles, like the one down in Texas, the the uh, Cowboys have. Hell, the Jumbotron's bigger than Soldier Field. <laughs> I'm not saying Chicago has to be like, you know, this high-tech place, but 
it's one thing to be in the 1950s and at least move ahead into the 21st century. My gut feeling is eventually, and it won't be for years, but they will do the Arlington Heights thing. I, I really feel that. The city of Chicago is strapped for money, and if the Bears want all these concessions, be hard-pressed on a new mayor like Brandon Johnson to just say, here it is. So we keep following this. Naperville, Arlington Heights, Waukegan, Chicago, multiple places in Chicago. You know, I, I'm from Peoria. I mean, I don't know. Um, Corey, real quick, from the player's perspective, you know, what what would it when we're talking new stadium, new amenities, stuff like that, what is the most important to you? Um, a neutral temperature, like neutral game condition temperature, mm -hmm. the grass, the locker room amenities, or am I missing something? What would be most important to you? So, so I think that the, the biggest thing is, is when you're talking about from, from a defensive lineman's perspective, right? You're, you're talking about the acoustics, right? For when you've got to get the crowd noise up, something like similar to the 12th man, where it's really hard for, for the opposing offenses to, to get the snap count. Um, but, but I think, I think the biggest thing is field surface. Soldier field for so long has been arguably one of the worst playing surfaces ever. Every, we got used to it, but it's not very good. But if it would feel weird in the suburbs, right? Like Chicago, you know, it's in the city, Soldier <laughs> yeah. Field. Like I, I know it's going to be hard to renovate or, or reconstruct it. So I think it's probably going to go to the burbs. But, you know, somebody that played there, it's just something about being downtown, you know, right on the lake there. It's like, oh, I'm going to Chicago Bears game. I'm going to the city. It would kind of feel weird in Arlington Heights. It, it really would, to yeah. be honest with you. But yeah. You're right, Corey. It would be very weird. Um, to me, yes, the grass surface is the most important thing and not being 40 below zero or sleet, something like that. But if the turf is okay, you know, that's good. But the thing about a, an NFL stadium, it's really only used 10 times a year. The rest of the time, it just sits there and you look at it. Now, they use Soldier Field for concerts, use it for, you know, soccer games. They've used it for numerous things, maybe dog shows. I don't know. You can have big trucks. You can do all kinds of things there. But it really is just like something that just sits there. And if you only, the, the, the players don't practice in the stadium. You know, um, I know at Arrowhead, the uh, uh, the Chiefs always practice right next to, uh, yeah. you know, the stadium. Now, I don't know if they ever practice in it, but they're right there. Other places are like that, too. Like the Giants, too, yeah. Yeah, the Giants, yes, the Giants. The Bears have always practiced miles and miles away, you know, never even close. The Lake Forest is, you know, 25, 30 miles from down there. Uh, so there's kind of a, a disconnect there. And, and as a city, as a taxpayer, people have to think, what are we getting for this? And studies have shown over and over again that um, people, that citizens just get ripped off over stadiums. They just do. The, the money doesn't come in, all these jobs, quote jobs and all this most of it is churn that would have been there anyway. And then again, it'd be like eight, you know, if, even with preseason games, at most 10 Sundays that the Bears would be there. And then people leave quite often. They go somewhere else. So it's a big deal. I know for the city, nothing better than being right down there. You know, that just looking at the skyline and all that stuff. But if I were a Bears executive, you know, if I were uh, Kevin Warren, president or i don't know polls has any say in it scott hagel the other people there george mccaskey I, for one time in our history just to start without 
putting something together, kind of jury rigging something, just doing it. This is our stadium. Soldier Field was never built for the Bears. The Bears, I when I was a little kid, I went to Wrigley Field to watch the Bears. Soldier Field was a big, wide open track stadium. So my thought is to have one stadium built just for me, the way I want it with all the bells and whistles forever and ever, I would do it. Yeah, I know Arlington Heights is not Chicago. It would be unfortunate, but uh, that's what I would do. Unless Chicago can come up with some, I, I don't know how they do it. So are you are you in favor of a dome? Yes, uh, a retractable dome. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, just so you can have a Super Bowl, things like that. I've been to Super Bowls in Minneapolis and in uh, Detroit. Come on. <laughs> if Detroit can have a Super Bowl, yeah. so can Chicago. And that's because they had, you know, they had domes. Yeah. The, the only thing, the only reason why I'm against it is is it's such a home field advantage when you're outside in the cold. And like uh, 2010, we played the the Seahawks, right? It was snowing. It was maybe 10, 10 degrees out and they didn't want to be there. They didn't want to be there. They didn't want to play. They hit the ground there. They were getting up slow. So I feel like it is a home field advantage to play a soldier field or somewhere in Chicago where the wind is whipping, the weather's cold. We played the Cowboys in 2013 where it was negative 10. They didn't want to be there. I hit Jason Witten. He, he came across and blocked me. He's like, oh, man, I don't want to be here. So I think, it, I think it is. I think it is a competitive advantage when it comes down to playoff time. You know, to be in a cold weather place, you're like, oh, we're built for this. Yeah. And we're, we're going to grind it out and we're going to win this game. So you got the bears have a lot of guys from the South though. And listen, <laughs> you might have to play Buffalo in January in, in Chicago, play the bills. They're used to cold weather too. Yep. I don't, that's an interesting concept. The more miserable you make the place, the better it is for the bears. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, the movie major league, right. Or like, yeah. you know what I mean? Mess with their flights. Play, you playing the saints, you know, and when it comes time to playoff, yeah. and they're used to playing in that dome. It's nice. Yeah, they're and they're all a bunch of pansies. All those guys indoors There's <laughs> yeah. air conditioning, you know, let's face it. But, um, that is true. And, uh, <laughs> I, I just think of some of those games. I used to love watching the snowfall, like at Denver. When there's a game, because Denver has a, a, a weather system. It comes over the mountains. It might not last, but they'll get a blizzard. I don't know if you ever played there in a blizzard that would never, last never maybe an hour. Did you, were you ever there, Corey? So, so I was there in uh, 2011 with Tim Tebow when he was the quarterback there. We played him early in the season, so it wasn't when it was snowing. But yeah, it wasn't too bad. You know, um, I'm trying to think, what, you know, if every team has a dome stadium, the ones who don't, it really does make a difference. It makes a difference in how you plan your offense, who you want as a quarterback, uh, who you want as your receivers, blockers, everything, and even on defense. Yeah. Because if you figure you got three games where the weather's going to be miserable, cold, yeah. and these guys come in like the, you know, the Dolphins come in or the Raiders, and they have no idea what cold weather is. And they're like, oh, geez, you know, wrapping themselves, yeah, they put plastic on and Vaseline and everything. Um, that can be a factor. Back in the day, they didn't have these heated seats and big fans blowing. You look back at that ice ball game in Green Bay <laughs> and Dallas. I mean, they were just sitting on the sidelines freezing. Yep. Now you go over there and get warm, take your coat off, and you know, you don't warm. make them like they used to. <laughs> I was gonna say the the mortality rate. Like everyone survived that game. It's incredible. But the, the one the one thing about a dome too, you gotta think about it now from the injury standpoint, right? Field turf, 
there's more injuries that usually occur from that. So from that standpoint, you know, the, the studies have shown that, right? Field turf is more likely to have, you know, a non-contact ACL or potentially an Achilles just because your foot, you know, gets caught in the ground. So that's one thing that you're, that you're keeping in mind when it comes to player safety. Obviously, I think guys really love turf surfaces because they're faster. But I think when guys are thinking about, okay, the correlation between that, maybe let me play in a place that has a grass field, you know, if I'm thinking about the future and longevity of my career. Yeah, because, uh, you know, out here in SoFi, you know, all the scuttlebutt is how much the players hate the turf there. You have this beautiful new stadium. Again, TVs as wide as the biggest giant whale you've ever seen in your life. You don't miss a thing. Uh, the amenities are fantastic. But Cooper Cup is like, you are shortening my career with the type of turf you have on there, and we need to play on natural grass. What, what mean, is so, the turf there at SoFi? So, so uh, I, think, I think it's called, I think it's the field turf that's there. Like it's a, it's a. It's why a don't they have grass of all places? Yeah. I, the I, one that, and that's the irony, right? Is you spend all of this money, and then when you ask players like former Bear Corey Wooten, what's more, most important to you, and you go the playing surface, and then you see what happens at Soldier Field in the Chicago Park District, it's just, it, it's just funny, right? What we spend our money on when this is probably what the players talk about the most is making the most safe or playable playing surface that you possibly can. Um, yep. One final, yeah, one final question for you, Rick Tellender here of the Chicago Sun Times. I wanted to have a fun one with you. Um, as you mentioned previously on the pod, you've been doing this for 27 years as a columnist for the Chicago Sun-Times. You probably have heard it all from Chicago sports fans. I may phrase this incorrectly, which is humiliating in front of a wordsmith. But what is, what is, like the, what is the biggest Chicago sports fan crush, uh, crutch that you feel like just never goes away? What is the one big cliche? And I'm going to give you three options here. What is the one that you hear the most and man goes, man, we'll never let this go? Um, Chicago sports fan talking about the backup quarterback, <laughs> Chicago sports fan going up to you and saying, we need to trade X player for prospects or Chicago sports fan coming up to you and telling one of the teams needs, one of the owners needs to sell the team slash the owner is cheap. Which one has lived the longest has stood the test of time that you still oh my God, those, that is, those are like three questions that are like impossible to answer there's those are the best it's like random throwing coins it's like 33 percent 32 percent 34 percent on which one i get the most but i i would the trade one is a no-brainer that's always trade this guy but i would say the yeah. one that sticks the most is and a second the backup quarterback is great <laughs> uh, but um the owner is cheap they're cheap they gotta sell and mm -hmm. You hear that constantly, and maybe it's more constant in Chicago because the teams have been owned by the same owners for so long. I mean, Reinsdorf's been there forever. The McCaskies go back to the start of the NFL. Wirtz family. family. The Blackhawks. I mean, um, it really is amazing, the, the uh, tradition in Chicago. It's different from other places where corporations own the teams or just some gazillionaire who just you know, made his money in the dot-com market and buys a team you know you see that all over the place not in chicago so i would say they're cheap the owner's cheap because <laughs> you can go you want to buy everybody especially in baseball if we had this guy if we had just he's on the free market sure he's 400 million dollars for five years we'll win the world series if we get it <laughs> yeah, i'll go with that 
Okay. Yeah, get ready. Uh, Otani, right? Uh, Otani coming. Oh, yeah. Just um, Otani. He'll solve everything. We need him. He'll be our best pitcher, our best hitter. He'll make, He'll do TV commercials. He'll sell shoes. Just get him. Yeah, get him. Sure. There we go. I, I, got, I, got, I got one question. It's about yeah. Northwestern. So what, what is your all-time favorite memory when it comes to you playing at Northwestern? You know, talk about anything, a game. A particular play, which what's, what's your all-time favorite memory at Northwestern? You know, I think my all-time favorite. I, it's funny how I only remember bad things. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what comes to my mind as a defensive back. Just bad things. I, it's it's awful. Never remember anything good. But my favorite moments was watching my teammate Mike Adamley run for three hundred and seventeen yards against Wisconsin, and I'm on defense. I'm on the bench watching him, and it was just. He won the game for us. It was magnificent. We didn't yeah. even need anybody else on the field. It was astounding. I do believe it's a fact he ran the same play, the exact same, whatever was off tackle, eight or nine times in a row. Alex Agassi, our coach, just called it again and again and again until it led to a touchdown. And I was, I, we're watching this like, damn, that was a great <laughs> I love that. Yeah, they can't stop it, right? No, keep going. no man. Just keep going. Here it is, coming right? right here in this hole. Yeah. Here it is. Put everybody there. We're still going to run it. And, and it, it, you know, they couldn't stop him. Yeah, it was great. I remember yeah, that. that. Well, that's awesome. Mike, Mike, Mike is a great guy and it's unfortunate, you know, what's, what's happened to him. Um, but, you know, I've met him plenty of times, you know, from when I first got drafted to the Bears in college, re really great stand-up guy. And, you know, my thoughts great and prayers with him, you know, as he's uh, going through this, but unbelievable person. Yeah. I just saw him a week ago and, um, you know, God love him. He's he's doing everything he can. He is just the strongest, most decent person uh, who's really suffering now. But yeah. you know, that's why those memories I have of him are even stronger and and yeah. more powerful. Yeah, no, it's it's unbelievable. You know, it's it, it it makes you put things in perspective. You know, when when you think you have something bad and and things like that. But uh, I'm just hoping. I'm I'm glad that they're they're continuing to study more and more about the brain so they can make the game safer for people. You know, so this doesn't happen, and it's a common theme with guys that have played. So that's why I retired. You know, I got to a point where I was like, you know what, never had any concussion issues or anything like that. But I have my daughter, and I'm like, re ready to walk. Was that, away. Was that it? I, I'm always curious about guys. You know, um, uh, CTE, the threat of it. Uh, you oh, know, yeah. being in the middle of the shoulders is a problem. I oh, Take your head off and put it on the sidelines it would be no issue but it's there you can't block you can't tackle you can't do anything without using your head but that was it for you huh Corey? No, that was it i mean i've been playing football since i was in second grade so all the hits to the head over the years and they say it's not even the concussions it's the constant hits and i'm like i probably had millions of them so we we never know i feel good now um knock on wood i i still do and until the day i die but um you know it's, it's a very real thing that People are starting to realize that's why you see people retiring. They get that second contract and then they're walking away. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm all for making the game safer. You know, people say, oh, it's soft and this, that and the other. But when you look at guys that are suffering, uh, you know, you kind of understand. It. You know, I'll give a good comparison in NASCAR when AJ, uh, or not AJ Foyt, uh, Dale Earnhardt died, you know, and everybody said, no, we can't have head restraints. We can't do this. We can't do anything. Well, they did it. They put in head restraints. You don't see people dying in NASCAR. It didn't make those guys into soft anything. And it didn't exactly. change viewership. I hope there's a way to do that with football. Really. Yeah, do. it is. I mean, it's still a physical game any way you want to put it. But 
making it safer when a guy's going across the middle and you can't get a shot right at his head when he's not expecting it. I think that's better for the longevity of guys' lives, you know, and it used to be a thing. Oh, well, don't hit me low because I'm worried about my knees or my ankles. And now guys like don't don't hit me up top right now. So I, I think it's all for the better. And, and I'm just hoping they continue. There's still a great product in football. I think everybody's tuning in. You know, you look at all the rising stars from quarterbacks from Patrick Mahomes, Josh, all these guys. So the game is still a great product. So anybody that says it isn't, I don't know what you're watching. You've also seen over the last several years these small little incremental rule changes to try and make the game a little bit safer. And guess what? It's as popular as ever, right? Exactly. So I know they're trying to do something with the punt return right now where I think there might be a day where you might not even see that at all. I think you just might see the ball at the 25-yard line. Um, yeah, they were talking I mean, about like the um, – what, what is the league that The Rock had? The XFL. Have you ever watched it? Yeah, yeah no, abs yeah. absolutely. And, I mean, they just they, – I think – I don't know if they start at the 25. I think they might even start at the 30 or something like that. But Start yeah, 10 I mean, yards from where the ball carrier is, and then they start. So right. I, don't know if, and, I don't know if they'll ever do that or whatever, but those are where most of those those hits happen, you know? I played with some yeah, guys that got that got knocked out cold on, on kickoff, like out cold. Like you had to get a smelling salt, still wouldn't wake them up. So it's it's a dangerous game. That kickoff. That's where you get blindsided and it's full speed hits. You know, it makes you wonder, again, as the rules change, what about a guy like Devin Hester? You know, with great maybe the greatest returner in the history of the game might be almost legislated out of a position. And, um, you know, I think about punters, too. Everything changes. Games change. You know, the NBA added the three-point line. Nothing has to stay the same. So still 100 yards. You know, score is still the same. One point, two points, three points, and six. Just a just a great system. Great for gambling, by the way, as if <laughs> the NFL doesn't know that. All the other sports gambling places. But it is a good game. And I always say that if, if it hadn't been invented, boys would eventually invent it anyway. I started out as a little kid. We played, you know, maybe all you got to play slaughter the man with the ball in the schoolyard. Call <laughs> it something else, you know. Kill the man with the ball, we called it. Yeah, just, yeah. yeah, you yeah. just throw a ball. <laughs> if you'd be a little kid, throw the ball to somebody and just go and run and tackle him. He'd throw the ball away and somebody else get tackled. Just roughhousing. We yeah. like to roughhouse if we're yeah. due. Football is, a, football is a great game and it teaches you a lot about life. I mean, think about it, right? You're going through adversity, going through tough times, working together in a team, battling through things, perseverance. It teaches you life lessons. And, and if it weren't for football, like, honestly, it's, it's taught me some of the greatest lessons I've, I've learned, you know, from playing the game of football. So I'm all for it. Let's just continue to make the game safer for people. So that way people don't have the same issues that, you know, the NFL players before us had. Point. This was this was Believe in Bears today, presented by BetOnline.ag. Use promo code Believe B L E A V to get fifty percent off your first welcome bonus. Thank you so much for tuning into this show, listening to us on SiriusXM, Spotify, Apple. Also checking us out on YouTube on Sports Talk Chicago or on the Believe Sports Network. My name is Joey Christopoulos. You can follow me at Joey Sports Guy. Corey, man, great to see you. Uh, West End Golf Course, everyone. They're doing some fantastic lessons all summer long. It is the place to be in the New Jersey area for the great golf simulator world. Uh, Corey, man, great to see you. Yeah, great to see you too, man. Another great pod. Rick, thanks for hopping on with us and, and talking some sports. Go, go, and you always. And uh, looking forward to the season, man. Love the purple, man. And just a, just a tip, golf might be the worst thing ever invented because you always hit a good shot and you'd say, oh, man, I can play this game. Yeah, it's tough. It's the hardest game that you will ever play. It's something that you cannot perfect. 
Nope. I'm, I'm going tomorrow. I'm going tomorrow to get my hopes up. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just a little slice. Uh, Chicago Sun-Times, Rick Tellinger, man. W- uh, such a pleasure, man. Uh, truly, uh, whether you believe it or not, you are a true legend, my friend. I've been reading you with in my hands for years and years. You get that Chicago Sun-Times. Flip that baby over and open up that page because I've been, I've been a long reader and follower for a long time. Thank you so much for taking the time and being so generous with it. Be well, and uh, we hope to have you back sometime. Thanks, George. Thanks, Corey. I enjoyed it. Wonderful. Thank you so much for tuning in, you guys. We'll be back with more. Until then, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. And remember, here on Believe in Bears, it's time to bear down, even in June. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.